Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this, guys? Being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Kyle is in a state that borders mine, and I just hope to have a podcast host at the end of the week because I saw you post a picture of a bear outside your cabin in Tennessee. What is going on, my dude? Hello, <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire style coming in today. Um, yeah, I'm here in the the Great Smoky Mountains. I'm sitting in a big log cabin right now. Uh, my dad's getting married on Friday, so I drove down yesterday. Joe, I think this is the first time I've been like not in an airport, but south of the Mason Dixon line, and haven't been with you in like two years. It sucks. You should be re- you should be prepared though, right? Like you're you're plenty equipped now to handle the south. Yeah, so I've, I've accustomed to the the, the uh, hospitality and the speed of life being a little bit slower than what I'm used to up north, and we're definitely getting it here in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Um, we, we went to a barbecue place yesterday, dude. The waiter came back every two minutes and was just like super nice. Yeah, but I know that, that that's not something you generally appreciate. You just want to be left alone. Well – it was the Southern hospitality and charm yeah. really. And he kept bringing back different kind of like house sauces for the barbecue and stuff. Oh. So he like really ingratiated himself with our table very quick. Now, uh, Western North Carolina, they have their mustard base, uh, sauce. Yes. Yeah, is that, is yes. that what you're rocking with? Uh, yeah, I had that yesterday and then some kind of, it was like a vinegar based. Yeah. That's so it was like more clear. Yep. And, uh, that one was really good too. It had a nice tang at the end. So what is your barbecue sauce of preference or are you pretty much a chameleon? You can adapt to wherever you are regionally. Give me anything. Really? I see. I don't, I, as long as, I've not given, as long as it's not super hot. I've not given the mustard base a real honest look. I'll be honest. You should try I, it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yesterday. Tomato base and vinegar base. I, I, you know, I pretty much rotate those, but I just, ugh, I've never really tried it. So today we were having a phone call. I I called you and I was talking about something else. And I don't remember how we got on this subject, but I proposed an idea to you that the Jacksonville Jaguars should trade defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. And uh, you and I had a brief discussion that we shut down because we actually wanted to have it on the podcast for once (laughs) instead of doing two podcasts in one day one where we talk on the phone for 30 minutes and then decide what we want to talk about when we could have just had the phone conversation on the pod. Um, so we have some some differing ideas as far as Yannick and what his trade value would look like. Joe, I actually didn't never bothered to ask you, do you think the Jaguars should trade Yannick Ngakwe, who's entering the last year of his rookie deal and um, 
has been a phenomenal player for the Jaguars, but they keep investing in the defensive line with Taven Bryan and Josh Allen over the past two years as, as first-round picks. And you'd have to assume the writing's on the wall there that the assumption is they're not going to be able to retain everybody, and Yannick's super cheap because he was a third-round pick. Well, this is a, a subject that's very near and dear to my heart after just watching my Charlotte Hornets let the best player in franchise history walk for no returns because they wanted to keep him to compete for the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference last year. And I'm not about letting top talents leave your organization without a King's ransom in return. And so I look at the Jaguars, and you mentioned it already, the forward thinking that they've had with several moves. You mentioned Taven Bryan and Josh Allen with Malik Jackson and and likely Yannick Ngakwe being in his last season in Jacksonville if they don't make a move before the season, as well as drafting Ronnie Harrison with being in mind that Tayshawn Gibson's a player that they were going to have to move on from. So Jacksonville's shown this thought process already in recent years. And here's the deal, man. The Jacksonville Jaguars, if you look at the salary cap space in 2020 after this season, Jacksonville is negative $34 million when it comes – when it comes to the salary cap in 2020, brother, you are not going to add Yannick Ngakwe at $20 million a season. It ain't going to happen. There, there's there's no course to it, There's no course to keeping Yannick Ngakwe. And so you they don't even have control. They can't even think about the salary cap or, or a tag. They've got to trade him now and get something for him. And if you look at recent history, we've had some deals for pass rushers that kind of set the market. I think they would be better served parting with him now and making sure that they get some returns for one of the best pass rushers in football. Yeah, Joe, what we're going to do later this week, we're going to talk about the dynamics of um, NBA free agency and its timing versus NFL free agency and its timing. And one thing that kind of struck me talking with you just talking about Yannick as far as another parallel to the NBA is you think about the Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard, right? They traded for Kawhi as Kawhi is entering the final year of his deal. And that was viewed as a high-risk trade because Kawhi, from all perception, wanted to go to, to California. And playing in Toronto was like not what he wanted to do. So you're if you're a team that's going to trade for Yannick Ngakwe now, you do have some risk. Now, granted, you have some more control because you can implement the franchise tag if you wanted to. But it is a little bit of a risk because we're going to be debating what the price tag is for Yannick. But either way, it's going to be a pretty penny for a guy that you don't know if is he's going to want to stay with your team long term. So you would at maximum get three years of control for him. And that's a lot of control, but you'd also be paying a ton of money in addition to the capital that you give up. So this trade is isn't without its own sets of risks because you're either going to have to pay Yannick or you're going to have to hope that you can convince him to stay if he goes somewhere that he's not super enamored with or you're going to have to strong arm him the same for a couple of years and then it comes down to the, the price tag for what you have to but give Kyle, to get I, I think the last couple of weeks on this podcast have revealed loud and clear that I'm not a math guy, but I'm enough of a math guy to let you know that we've got a math problem here. And I have no idea how you factor in Yannick Ngakwe's salary on the books in 2020. I don't know how you do it. 
Well, I, I don't think he can. He there. I don't think he so, fits for the Jaguars. So I I agree that a, a trade is the most logical course of action for the Jaguars. But if you start looking from the teams that would be the suitors, and, and all of that risk it gets factored into the cost of what you would offer the Jaguars, and then knowing on top of that, these he's. These guys are hung <laughs> up by their balls here. Right. They're in a tough spot. Yeah. And there is no way out for them. They're either going to let him walk and they'll recoup a third round pick. And that's where the, mm-hmm. with the comp picks, right? So that's kind of assuming that they don't spend in free agency elsewhere, which you would assume that they won't because they can't. But I guess we'll find out. Um, I think that gives you a little bit of a strike zone for what a trade value is because you know at the very worst they would get a late third round pick and you're going to have to give him something that's going to incentivize losing a year of his play and make them pull the trigger so i think it's pretty clear that jacksonville either has to win the super bowl this year with yannick and or they've botched this situation like the hornets did with kemba walker yeah and you gotta trade him well, they haven't botched it yet, but there's potential. So my argument to you on the phone was I think the trade value for Yannick Ngakwe falls in line with what we saw the San Francisco 49ers trade for D. Ford from the Kansas City Chiefs. Ford was a player on a franchise tag, got traded for a future second-round pick in 2020. You seem to feel... He's more on the end of the Frank Clark spectrum. Can you elaborate any as to as I think he's a better player. I mean, I just feel like caliber of player here. We've got a 24-year-old pass rusher that has led the NFL and hits on the quarterback over the last three seasons, his first three seasons in the league, 30 sacks basically in three seasons. I believe that he demands more than a future second round pick. If you can, if Yannick Ngakwe can be had for a future 2020 pick, then the Seahawks, Bills, Dolphins, Colts, Saints, Giants, Buccaneers, they should all be calling him right them right now and getting that done. There's no. And I think that that's, that's the thing that's in your favor here is I think there's a much bigger market for Yannick. Well, he's a younger, better player than D Ford. Well, how much better is he than D? Who would would both of oh both of the hosts of this podcast agree that we would rather have Yannick Ngakwe than D Ford? I do, but from a production standpoint, D Ford has twenty five sacks in the last three years, and mm-hmm. he missed ten games in twenty seventeen. He has. He's four years older. 14. He's four years older with some injury concerns. He, he would. He, if he played a full 10 or 16 game season in 2017, and I know if ifs and buts were candy yeah. nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. And that's not the point here. I'm just, I'm just stating if D played a full 2017, he would have more sacks, more quarterback hits than what Yannick Ngakwe has. Would, he line, two years. would he line up uh, in the neutral zone on a fourth down to give the pick? <laughs> that's not what we're talking about here, damn it. And I don't know why you're dunking on me with that because that I know because that, that, that's all I think about when I think about with D Ford. No, I think I think it is it's the age, it's the injuries, it's the consistency. I mean, look at look at where 
Yannick Ngakwe was three years into his career compared to where D Ford was three years into his career. I think there's a higher ceiling. I think every arrow points to Yannick Ngakwe being a more desirable player than D Ford. And here's the deal. Like it was, it was a lot of it was about getting something for D Ford, but it was also that they just weren't going to be able to pay him, right? He will end up signing a five-year, $87 million deal with the 49ers that, just, that the Chiefs were just never really going to be in position to give him. And they kind of traded off some of the offsets to get Frank Clark, right, it, that I'm considering right now in this Ngakwe deal. To me, Kyle, of these pass rushers that have been traded recently, Yannick Ngakwe is the best one. And so when I think about trade parameters, I'm looking more like that, look at that, looking at that Frank Clark deal as as really where the where that conversation starts all right now here here is where and this you're gonna kill me here because you know how much i love yannick and gakwe coming out and how much i love him now yeah you should be dunking all over this (sighs) yannick and gakwe's 200 he's always been 245 pounds though i know and to and to give him credit he has played in over 700 snaps in each of his three seasons in the nfl but do you think Frank Clark's a better run defender than Yannick Ngakwe? Probably. Do you think Yannick Ngakwe at 245 pounds is going to be universally less applicable to all schemes across the NFL than what Frank Clark is at 265 pounds? Yeah, but I, I don't know that I'm going to let run defense be what is going to sway me. I know which one's the best pass rusher. I don't disagree with you that Yannick is probably the best pass rusher out of this group, but as an overall all-encompassing player, I will say this: I'm, I think that's the, that's the divide, and that's why because D Ford for me is kind of in that same bucket where I know he's a great speed rusher, but he's a little undersized. He doesn't meet size thresholds for all the teams, so some teams are just inevitably going to be lower on him for stupid reasons. I'm not saying it should be right. But Frank Clark at, what is he, 6'5", 265 right. pounds, and a better run defender can go to any defensive system in the NFL, and a team can be like, okay, we'll put him at defensive end, and he's going to play there all three downs. If I'll say anything about Yannick Ngakwe's run defense, and I just have pro football focus up, his first year he graded as a run defender, ready for this, 29 and a half. Okay, I, that's, no. And Not great. It rose to 55.3 in 2017 and 60 in 2018. So if any, I mean, like at least there's been growth there. I don't never, I, and we're never going to think about Yannick Ngakwe as a great run defender. And, and that's fine right. with me because he's a great pass rusher. What's his pass rush grade? Uh, Probably so crazy. Like high uh, 65.2 and 16, 88.2 and 17 and 76.8 and 18. So he had a quote-unquote down here with 33 quarterback hits and nine and a half sacks last year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's funny because PFF does it differently than I think like pro, pro football reference. They had gave him uh, in terms of, terms of total pressures, hits, hurries, and sacks. Combined, yeah, 47 yeah. and 16, 82 <laughs> and 17. It's 64 and 18. 82 combined pressures. <laughs> Yep, they gave him 53 hurries, 15 hits, and 14 sacks in 2017 is what PFF's credited Yannick and Gakwe. How, how many hits? 53. Or hits? hits, 15. Hurries, 53. 15. How many uh, 
and that was 2017. Yeah. What do you do 2018 for pressures? 60, 64. And how many of those were hits? Hits were 24. Okay. So we are looking at different kinds of numbers here. Right. Because this, this credits Yannick with uh, 33 hits in 2018 and then 23 hits in 2017, which was one was higher, one was lower than pro football. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I haven't charted it myself, so I don't, you know, I don't know who I side with, but. So the Frank Clark trade was what exactly? They gave up. I have it right here. Uh, a one, one, a three, and a two. First and third in 2019, and a second in 2020. They got a one, a two, and a three. You're not, you're not getting that for Yannick and Gakway. I'm sorry. Not with the Jaguars being so hung out to dry. Not with Yannick being perceived as a limited three down player because he's not just plug and play for every system in the NFL and not because you're going to have to pay him at least when you're acquiring D Ford, he's already on a franchise tag. So you're, you, you already have accounted for the cap hit with the guaranteed money for Yannick. You're going to have to also pay him, Cash capital, make sure you have created room to accommodate his cash capital. Those are the reasons why I don't think, I think D Ford, the D Ford trade is closer to the return that you would get for Yannick Ngakwe than Frank Clark. Well, they're substantially different in terms of what they get back. One's just getting a two. Another one's getting a one, two, and a three. Right. And, and that's why when you said the D Ford trade was like the Kemba Walker trade because they had to get something for him, right? How is that any different than what the Jaguars' position is right now? They've misplayed the cap to the point where you either have to get something for him now or he's going to walk, and you'll get a three as a comp pick, and that's it. So what do you think the Jaguars can get? Like, I guess that's what we have to go back to is with all of this discussion points that we've made, what do you think – Jacksonville will get in return for Yannick Ngakwe. I think they could get a – if I were offering to trade for Yannick Ngakwe, that's the, best, that's the best speculation I can give you. Yeah. is based on my perceptions of the strengths and weaknesses of the situation. I would offer a two, and then I would offer – a pick swap of like you get my three and I get your five. You think that gets it done? That would be, I can't give you a one and a three or a one and a two. There's just no way. What do you think is the minimum that would get the job done? I think, I think a guaranteed, if you want to get it done, you give them a one. But what if you go out and suck? I- you just gave up a top 10 pick for Yannick Ngakwe, and then you got to pay him $20 million a year? Every situation is different, right? So there are certain teams where it would make more sense to offer a one than others. Um, but I think every team, when they make their first-round pick in 2020, pretty much every one of them would be happy if it wound up being Yannick Ngakwe, right? So I, Yeah, but, but you're missing part of the, the value of a right, first-round pick is the, deal. the fact that they're the economics of the payment, right. yeah. So every team's different in that regard. 
if I'm uh, Seattle, and I've got the most cap space in football next year, and I have Russell Wilson who walks on the field and wins 10 games a season, and I ain't got nothing yeah. as a pass rusher. But even though that that flies in the face of what Seattle wants, and I know I I know exactly what you're going to say, and I agree with you. If you can't, if your de- defense can't fit Yannick Ngakwe, you need to fix your defense. Right. But we just saw him take LJ Collier. You know, like that's that's the kind of player that they want, and that's not Yannick Ngakwe. If I'm the New England Patriots and I have forty two million dollars in cap space next year, and I'm guaranteeing that that pick's going to be in the late 20s, probably in the 30s, let's be honest. I'm not offering my one for Yannick Ngakwe. Because I might want to draft Jake Fromm at the end of the first round to replace Tom Brady. I don't know, man. What kind of role do you think he fits in that defense? Patriots? Just third down specialist, or is he like the Elan and Roberts, Jamie Collins? Right, that's like exactly that. what he is—a big pain in the ass, just yep. like those guys. Yep. I don't know. I. I guess if you're one of those like four perennial contenders, you can make the case for a one. But we're not talking a one, a two, and a three, right? Okay, so. I seem to. Th- I think if I'm Jacksonville, I want to get a first round pick in return for Yannick Ngakwe. And so you just you put the feelers out. Yeah, that's where I started. And what I, you know, look, I think I think the the leverage. You know, if I'm another team, I'll be like, look, you know, you know, you can't keep him. This is it. You have 16 games left of Yannick Ngakwe, and then he's going to walk, and you're going to get a third round pick. For me, what I'm going to say is, well, okay, that's fine with me. We're one year removed from losing the AFC Championship game, and we've upgraded our quarterback position. And so I think you I think you can find reasons to eliminate that desperation from the conversation to some degree. So if you if you're Jacksonville, you're you're putting out the feeler and saying, I want a first round pick mm-hmm. for Yannick Ngakwe. Mm-hmm. And that's why my counter is I'll give you a one and a two or a two and a three, and then you give me your five. Well, because if you go off the if you go off the trade value chart, right? Let's say hypothetically, you've got the forty. You finished picking fortieth, which would be like the eighth pick. Five hundred and two thirty is seven thirty, minus that same slot in the fifth round is thirty. So you're talking seven hundred points. That's the value of the twenty sixth pick in the draft. Well, yeah, and I think I think certain teams' second round picks would be appealing to me. Think about Miami, right? You think you're probably going to get a top forty pick. And they've got two for two second round picks next year. All right. So I would say I want their higher your higher second round pick. If I'm Miami, I'm getting that deal done because that edge rusher situation is a disaster. And you get a 24-year-old proven guy in his prime. Jackson, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean that's a and team. They've got the cap. They've got the cap. Right. Yes. Yes. So I think that's an example of a team where if I'm Jacksonville, I say, I, you know, I I consider that too, because a lot of teams, it doesn't make sense to add Yannick Ngakwe for the economic perspective of the deal and how where they are as a football team. So Tampa Bay? What if you're Tampa to... Bay? Wouldn't you do that for a second-round pick? Hell yeah. 
46 get, million get next Noah, year. Get what Noah Spence was supposed to be. <laughs> right. It's a good, that's a good point. Before we wrap, I do want to ask you a question about Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, go ahead. Shoot, man. This is one of your all-time hits, Yannick Ngakwe. Yes, and, it is. And you were you were probably not as high as you wanted to be on Ngakwe, but you were higher than everybody else. When you go yeah. back to his tape and you think about what made him kind of twinkle in your eyes a little bit. Yeah. What did you subscribe to that you think maybe other people didn't give him enough credit for? Do you remember it was, I'm going to throw Brian under the bus here. <laughs> Brian Press. Yeah. You remember Mobile? We're sitting there in the, the hotel room. I'm like, dude, you got to watch Yannick Ngakwe. You have to watch him. And Perez turned on like, I think it was the Ohio State game. And he goes, I mean, yeah, he's okay. I'm like, what do you mean he's okay? He's amazing. Um, I mean, I'm pulling up my report just because I want to make sure my quote here is accurate. I had him 50th. Mm-hmm. 50th overall. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe shows wonderful movement skills for a thick-framed edge defender. Uh, Ngakwe will best fit as a rush linebacker in a three-man defensive front system, so I was projecting him as a 3-4 outside linebacker. Um, this will enable him to utilize his dynamic first step to win with speed and favorable angles and build more distance to convert speed to power. Now, I will say Jacksonville, when they run the 4-3 underlooks, he does get those favorable angles. Mm-hmm. Ngakwe is a loose mover who has no issues unlocking his hips or playing laterally. He's capable of carrying a strong amount of speed through transitions. Where, Ye- where Ngakwe struggles is at the point of attack as a run defender is capable of dropping into a favorable run fit to carry out his primary responsibility, but does need to improve with shedding blocks. Hands are efficient and responsibility. Our hands are efficient and transition from one counter to another needs to incorporate more one arm stacks uh, to compromise for lack of length in his natural frame. So for me, it was, he's dense, right? He's 6'2", 250, 245. So he's dense, but he still has that mobility in his hips and he's really bursty off the line of scrimmage. He had a one, six, five, 10 yard split. So that's, that's a good 10 yard split time. Um, and his ability to corner with leverage because he's so dense in the right spots allowed him to convert a lot of speed to power despite being an undersized guy. So you see a lot of these like 250-pound guys, and the concern is, well, what kind of power does he have in his game? And Yannick never had an issue with that because he's just a bulldog. He'll naturally get up under your pads and collapse you, and, and he has that component to his game where if he does have space and he is working with favorable angles, you've got to accommodate for the speed and he's going to get you so far back on your heels that he will blow through you despite the fact that he's 245 pounds. Let me ask you this. Throw away where every team is in terms of salary cap or competitive balance. What team in the NFL do you believe would be tailor-made to maximize what and Gakwe brings to the table. Who do you trust? Which defense? Uh, ironically, the, that Patriots <laughs> spinoff in that Jamie Collins type role, right? Uh huh. That to me feels like a no brainer. Um, I mean, but but does that open the door for all the Belichick disciples? Does that mean he can work in Miami? Or do we need to learn more about what it's going to look like in Miami? Well, does that I mean think, he works in Detroit? Well, that that's why they. That they drafted Andrew Van Ginkle in the fifth round, who I throw is an undraftable guy, but they drafted right. him to play that role, is what he's he's essentially going to try to be. 
is a guy who's a linebacker, but he's kind of a rush. They signed Jay Roan Elliott out of the AAF, who mm-hmm. had like 10 sacks in seven games or whatever they played, who, who dabbled with the Packers for a little bit. And it's it's the same vision. They're they're trying to replicate that role. So they knowing that that role is there and available in that defense, yeah, I think he would work in Miami. I think he'd work fine in Miami. Um, I'm trying to think of base 3-4 teams that I think would make sense. What about Pittsburgh, opposite of uh, Watt? That would be really fun. I think Watt's freaking really, good, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'd be good in um, – he just seems like a Baltimore Raven. Too. I don't say that. Replace Terrell Suggs. They've got 36 million in cap space next year, too. They've got no. 61 guys under contract. That's a pretty high number, too. They are, uh, they lost a, a lot on defense yep. next year. Very different feel, looking team this year. Feel for them to a certain degree, but, uh, they'll test what that drafting was like because they drafted all those guys, the, uh, Matt Judons, who I think is a stud, uh, Tim Williams. Tim Williams. Yep. Uh, they'll they'll get an opportunity to roll some of these guys out here and see what they can do, but it's going to be a test of kind of this, the same theory that we've seen the Jaguars apply to of you got to draft forward thinking. They have a Juan Price, Tim Williams, Tyus Bowser, Jalen Ferguson, like kind of an interesting group. Yeah. <laughs> see if the next Elvis Doomerville and Terrell Suggs. Are in that mix. I'll tell you what, Yannick Ngakwe would be a better pass rusher than all of them. Right. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. Well, I'm glad that, uh, glad we uh, had this materialize on us, Joe. This was a good conversation. Yeah. We didn't yell. We didn't bite each other's heads off, so that was nice. We made it to 30 minutes. We kept it pretty crisp, pretty clean. We'll be back tomorrow for Takes on Takes. I'll be uh, recording Takes on Takes from the uh, Great Smoky Mountains, Joe. Yeah, oh, no, I, just, I, I didn't realize they were called the Great Smoky Mountains. That adds a new layer oh, to the name for me. They are 100%. But I, I'm expecting at some point for you to sing Rocky Top on this on this uh, podcast to make up for our good friend Roger Dixon, who failed to live up to his bet. Listen, Gator great Roger Dixon did not sing Rocky <laughs> Top. I'll see what I can do. I'll be practicing all, all right. week. Looking forward you to it. You got hot takes. Hit us with top, hot takes. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I'm at Grinding the Tape on Twitter. Takes on takes tomorrow. We got a fun conversation coming up on Wednesday as well. So hit subscribe. Come on back. Check us out. Thanks as always for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.